Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. Well, everybody has a family, and they all look different. Some of us have big families, some have small families, some have blended families. Some of you live in families where both parents are present. Some families are led by single parents or grandparents or foster parents. Some of you have siblings. Some of you are an only child. Some of you have kids. Some of you don't have kids but want kids. Some of you don't want the kids you have. (laughs) Every family looks different. The truth is the Bible didn't teach us that every family is supposed to look the same, but the Bible does teach that families are at their best when Christ is at the center. For some of you, that feels impossible. Like, have you seen my family? There's no way. For others, you say, no, that is possible. I mean, our family's not perfect, none are, but we're, we're striving to put Christ at the center. And it's everything in between. You know, some, some of you really wrestle with this because maybe you're married to an unbelieving spouse. We have some family members who grew up in the church but have wandered away from the faith. Some of you come from a long line of Christ followers spanning generations of faithfulness. Some of you are the only follower of Jesus in your entire family. And if that's the case, I've got some good news for you. It only takes one. The fact is, God may want to use you, regardless of your position in your family, to have a massive spiritual impact. Maybe God wants to use you to bring Christ to the center. So how do you have a Christ-centered family? Well, the Bible provides us with incredible insight. So to begin our time today, I want to briefly look at two passages, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. In the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, Moses preached a sermon on family that still resonates into our modern times thousands of years later. Listen to these words in Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This passage of Scripture is known as the Shema. Shema means hear. And to, in, in, in Hebrew, hearing and obeying were one and the same. And so Moses was preaching to the Israelites who were about to step into this land that God promised them and said, Here, here's, the, here's the plan. Here's the playbook. You obey this and things are going to go well for you. This is the secret to a Christ-centered home. It starts with me and it starts with you. Look again at his words, but this time pay special attention to all of the personal commands. Verse 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be on whose hearts? Your hearts. It has to start with me. And then once it starts with me, then 
it could spread to others. And Moses gave some commands to parents, but I think it has a general uh, application to all of us when he said, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. What Moses was saying is be intentional. Leverage the everyday moments that we all have. Traveling, going to bed, waking up. Be intentional about sharing this faith with others in your family. In the New Testament, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, Peter, expressed a very similar sentiment in his book. This is 1 Peter 3, and listen to his words. Verse 15, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. There's that same message again. It starts with me. It has to be personal to me. I have to surrender my heart to Jesus Christ first before it goes to others. He continues in verse 15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. There's that idea again of being intentional. Peter says, be prepared. Preparation implies intention. You can't be accidentally prepared. Uh, The fact that you are prepared means you did something. And so Peter is saying, so, so get yourself ready to be able to to share the reason for why you're the way that you are. And so in Moses' speech, he said, okay, it's got to start with you. Love the Lord, your God, and then impress them on others. Peter says, okay, revere Christ as your Lord, then be ready to tell others. So in both cases, it's internal flowing to the external. So the question is, how do I get what's in here out there? One of the most natural ways is through conversation. Today in part two of this series on family, I want to help us focus on how we could put Christ into the conversation. Here's a question worth considering for us this morning. How often does Jesus come up in your conversation? You know, the great Old Testament King David once said these words in Psalm 34.1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David wanted to, he strived to be somebody who talked about the works of God so much it just flowed freely in conversation. I think if we're being honest with ourselves, we might say, his praise shall occasionally be in my mouth. His praise shall rarely be in my mouth. And I bet if we're being really honest with ourselves, a whole bunch of us would say, his praise is never in my mouth. The truth is, there's a lot of followers of Jesus who never talk about him like ever. Now, there's a variety of reasons of why people who claim to be Christians don't ever talk about Jesus. Probably the most common is fear. I'm afraid of what others will think of me. I don't want to be labeled as some religious wacko or say something that's going to drive people further away from Jesus. Another reason could be insecurity. I don't know how to talk about Jesus. I wouldn't know how to answer questions and objections. I'll leave that to the pastors. But one of the the favorite excuses many followers of Jesus use for for never talking about their faith is this. I just want to show the love of Jesus. And that often gets accompanied with quoting this 11th century church father, Francis of Assisi, who once said, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. 
And we hear that, we're like, ooh, oh, that's good. I like that, you know, because actions speak louder than words. And so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna show the love of Jesus to others. Well, there's a couple of problems with this. First, Francis of Assisi never said, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Never said it. I think that was invented by a Christian t-shirt company. Okay? But the second problem is this. While I agree that actions speak louder than words, our words give meaning to our actions. I have some friends who are some of the nicest, kindest, most selfless people you will ever meet. They do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. Based solely on their behavior, you could see, wow, look at how, how different these people are. But that doesn't automatically lead you to conclude it's about Jesus. Remember what Peter said? Be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. If we want to show the love of Jesus, doesn't that also mean talking about him? You know, the Apostle Paul, who is largely regarded as the greatest missionary the world has ever known, said these powerful words in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. He said, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? That word preaching means to publicly proclaim the good news of Jesus. To just say it out loud. Preaching isn't just for preachers. It's for anybody who has a relationship with Jesus. It's just, it's just talking about him. And Paul's whole point was, at some point, you got to actually open your mouth. People have to hear. You have family members who are looking at you if you're a follower of Jesus. At any point in time, you got to ask yourself the question, how often is Jesus a subject of my conversation? So with our time remaining, I want to give you some really practical ways that we could put Jesus into the center of the conversation, specifically with our family. And look, let's be honest. Talking to family members about Christ is like the hardest group there is. It's so much easier to talk to some stranger, you know, on the street, you never met before. But when you're dealing with your family, they know you, they know your history, they know all the dumb things you did, and it's much more complicated. But if you're a follower of Jesus, and it's been internalized in you, the command is, we need to get it external. We need to share our faith. And so I want to give you an illustration to guide our time together. All of you know what this is. Uh, let, me, let me edit that. Some of you know what this is. This, is. this is a traffic light. For some of you, it's that yellow blur in your rearview mirror as you blast through the intersection at 100 miles an hour. But for most of us, we understand this is a traffic light. I want you to think of every single person on the planet as a traffic light. Me, you, everyone. And that traffic light is fixed on a different color. Green means go. For people who are green light, that means that they are ready to talk about Jesus. Maybe they're, maybe they're already a follower and this is just natural for them to talk about Jesus, or maybe it's somebody who's genuinely seeking Jesus. They, they don't know it's Jesus they're seeking, but they're ready to talk about it. That's green. Yellow means slow. Yellow light people are open to talk about Jesus, but they're going to take things slow. 
They may open up the door for you briefly, but they are going to close it again if the conversation about Jesus gets too intense. Then there's red light people. Red means stop. Red light people won't talk about Jesus. If the subject comes up, they're shutting it down, they're walking out of the room, not going to happen. So I want to show you a couple examples of the Bible of these different kinds of people, starting with green light people. And for that, we're going to go to the New Testament book of Acts chapter 8. Shortly after the resurrection of Jesus, one of his disciples, Philip, was led by God to this prominent African man who was parked on the side of the road on the outskirts of Jerusalem. This was the interaction that Philip had. Acts 8, verse 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And so this eunuch who is working for the queen of Ethiopia is reading his Bible out loud, and Philip comes along and asked him, hey, does it make sense? Do you get it? What Philip was doing right there was he was asking a baseline kind of question. He was assessing this Ethiopian eunuch. He's basically trying to figure out, hey, which, which color on the traffic light is he? See, if you want to figure out where people stand with the Lord, it always starts with a great question. Philip asked a great question. Some other questions that you can ask to, to kind of get a feel where people are could, could be things like this, just in your, in your conversation. Hey, do you know any good churches in the area? Another question you might ask is, uh, so, so what is it that you believe? Or another one could be, uh, this, is, this is simple, but this one can get to the heart of the matter so quickly. How can I pray for you? How people answer questions like these will give you a very quick indication as to which light on the traffic light they are. Philip asked a great question. He asked, do you understand what you're reading? And so based on how this Ethiopian eunuch would respond would change Philip's approach. And so listen to how the man responded. Verse 31, how can I, he said, <clears throat> excuse me, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Friends, it doesn't get more green light than this. I don't understand the Bible. Would you come into my cart and tell me all about it? This is an example of a green light, and a lot of us would be surprised at just how many green light situations we have all around us. You know, when I was in high school, I started to get more vocal about my faith. You know, I began to tell my friends uh, about the activities I did at church over the weekend, or I would wear these Christian t-shirts, you know, like a Nike symbol, but instead of it saying, just do it, it said, Jesus did it, <laughs> which I'm certain was copyright infringement, but whatever. Uh, the, the bottom line is I, I, was, I was beginning to be more vocal about my faith. My friends knew where I stood. And I remember one day uh, we were sitting in class and we had a substitute teacher which meant you do zero work and everybody talks the entire time. And so my little group of friends were sitting there talking and, and the subject of religion came up. So one kid starts talking about being a Catholic. Another kid started talking about being a Jehovah's Witness. And then my really close friend Carlos said, well, I believe that every religion leads to the same place. We just worship a different God. And then he goes, Steve, what do you think? That's called a green light, okay? I wasn't being persecuted for my faith, you know, in the big bad public school. This was my close friend inviting me to talk about Jesus, and I froze. 
And I said, uh, I don't know. And I changed the subject and shut down the whole conversation. To this day, I still regret that interaction. You have family members who are green light people, and they are opening the door big and wide and virtually begging you to walk through it. And so some of the indicators that they may give you, uh, if they're a green light person, is maybe they ask you about your church. Hey, does your church have anything for kids? Does your church do anything in the community? Pay attention to that. They're asking you to invite them. They may, uh, maybe, maybe they want your opinion on some religious video they came across while they were swiping through their feed. They're inviting you to talk about Jesus. They're, they're giving you the green light. Or maybe they just straight up ask you something about your behavior. Hey, I noticed you didn't do this. I noticed you did do this. They are giving you a green light to talk about Jesus. These opportunities are in your family. And if I could just pause for a moment and just address parents of young children, understand this that for about 10 years of your kid's life, at the very beginning, their light is fixed on green. Take advantage of these opportunities. That's what Moses was saying. We said, impress them on your children. These are just the everyday moments. Pray with them at bedtime. When you're driving in the car, turn off the radio, put down the phone, ask them some questions. They're trapped in a moving tin box. They can't go anywhere. You got their attention. You know, in the morning, encourage them with some scripture before they go off to school. Take advantage of these moments. We have green lights all around us. We got to be aware of them because those are opportunities to put Christ in the center of the conversation. That's a green light. Let's now look at an example of a yellow light person. For that, we're going to jump back a book to the Gospel of John in chapter 3. And in this case, Jesus found himself in yet another interesting interaction with a religious leader. This is John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Yellow light people are open to talking about Jesus, but they just take things slow. That's what Nicodemus was. How do we know this? Because what time did he come to visit Jesus? He came at night. He was afraid of what his peers would think of if anybody saw him interacting with Jesus. So under the cover of darkness, he sneaks over and sticks a toe in the water. That's what yellow, yellow light people do. is They often will come to you because some kind of need popped up in their life. For Nicodemus, he was seeing Jesus do things he couldn't explain. And so he opened up the door. Some indicators that you have some yellow light people in your life is they just text you out of the blue. Something occurred in their life, maybe something they can't explain or something they're struggling with, and they're looking to you. And what yellow light people often do is they'll open up that door for a little while, and then they'll close it again. And you could be excited, like, oh, I had this awesome opportunity to share faith with my cousin. We had this great, great conversation, and then I didn't hear from her again for like six months. That's what yellow light people do, is they, they close that door again t- until they need you again. And that's where you have to keep the long game in mind. So this Nicodemus sneaks over to Jesus, and, and he opens the door. And Jesus, never missing a moment to engage a person in conversation, says this in verse 3. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Jesus knew religious leaders love to debate you know, these concepts. So he throws this idea out there to, to bait Nicodemus, and he took it. Hook, line, and sinker. Verse 4. 
How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So now his, his wheels are spinning. So he was already thinking about Jesus before he came here. Now Jesus has got his, his, his wheels going. And, and it gets to the point in verse 9 where Nicodemus just says, how can this be? He's really thinking about it. Yellow light people, they, they've got questions. They're, they're on the mind, but, and they're open to talking about Jesus. And so then Jesus leverages this moonlit encounter to call Nicodemus to take a step further. Look at what he says, verse 20. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. Jesus didn't say anything on accident. He was calling Nicodemus out of the shadows. Stop sneaking around. Stop hiding. Stop running. You know the truth. It's what you're looking for, and you find it in Jesus. He is the light for our dark souls. Jesus said, come on, Nicodemus, step out. You know how Nicodemus responded? We don't know. That's where the interaction ends. He just falls off the map. That's what yellow light people do. Just as quickly as they open the door, they close it again. Keep the long game in mind. Be ready for when that door reopens. And that seems to be the case with Nicodemus because we don't hear from him for a long time. But following the crucifixion of Jesus, look who pops back up. John 19, verse 38. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. So it seems that Nicodemus became a secret believer too. We don't know when, we don't know how, but there he was. And with yellow light people, it takes a while. They move slow, keep the long game in mind, and when that door opens, put Jesus in the center of the conversation. That's a yellow light. So green light, ready to talk about Jesus. Yellow, open to talking about Jesus. Let's move on to red. They won't talk about Jesus. Now, there's several examples of red light people in the Bible, but the one I want to show you is the most overt. This took place in Acts chapter 7, following the resurrection of Jesus, and, and persecution broke out against Christians. And a young man, a young believer named Stephen, whom I share my namesake with, he uh, was unjustly arrested, and while under siege, he still boldly spoke about Jesus. And he said to his captors, you guys are all red light people, essentially. And you've always been that way. Well, listen to how Stephen concludes his speech in Acts 7, 51. You stiff-necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed and murdered him. Stephen wasn't given some political opinion or some strong personal stance. All he did was point to history. He said, you guys, are, you guys have been putting up the red lights forever. How do you think they responded? Verse 57, At this they covered their ears, 
and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. It doesn't get more red light than that. They literally covered their ears. I don't want to hear this stuff. And you and I probably won't experience somebody this extreme, but I bet you've got some red light people in your family. Some indicators of people who are putting up the red light is maybe when Jesus comes up in the conversation, they quickly change the topic. Or maybe they even resort to mockery. Now, Christians are uneducated, hypocrites, you're all a part of the cult. Or sometimes they even make ultimatums. Maybe you've got some family members like this. You keep talking about Jesus, you won't be able to see the kids. You won't be able to see the grandkids. We're canceling you. Understand this, that if you have a red light person, you are dealing with somebody who is hard soil. Ever try to drop seeds on hard soil? What does it do? Bing, 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 bing. Bounces right off and dies. And so if you sit there and try to force Jesus into the conversation with a red light person, you're probably not going to get very far. In fact, it could maybe even make the relationship worse. But... It is not a give-up kind of situation. It's not waving the white flag of surrender because there is something very powerful you can do with red light people. You pray for them. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 4. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. And listen to this, this is key. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Friends, we cannot control how another person responds to God. We can control how we respond to God. We can't force anybody to do anything, but we can pray for them. And a lot of people say, yeah, I'm praying for my kid. I'm praying for my brother, I'm praying for my mom, or whatever the case is. What exactly are you praying? Because Paul gives us a really good prayer right here. Pray that God would open the door. Only God can do that. And maybe God wants to use me. So when that door opens, pray that I may proclaim it clearly. So if you have a red light person in your family, Ask God to open the door to to their heart and maybe use somebody else. And also pray, God, if you want that person to be me, help me to see when that door is open that I may step through it clearly and faithfully. I'm curious. I wonder how many people in this room were at one time a red light person. Now, all of us at some point in time were not a follower of Jesus. Some of you may still be in that situation. But some of us are more contentious than others. And I'm wondering who in this very room, whenever somebody talked about Jesus, you would get angry. Maybe you would, you would walk out of the room. Maybe you said, I will never darken the doorway of a church. And if that was you, if you were at one time a red light person, would you raise your hand right now? Keep it up, just nice and high, keep it up. Put your hands all around the room. That that is how I used to be, put it up. Keep it up. I want you to look around the room because what you see are people that God broke through to. God opened 
the door. So let this be an encouragement to you. Don't give up on that sibling who has wandered away from the faith and is is deconstructing everything and doesn't want to talk about it. Don't give up on that spouse who rolls their eyes every time you talk about church. Don't give up on that grandchild who seems so committed to a life apart from Christ. God opens doors. And the very person who said, pray that God will open a door, Paul, the guy who got arrested by red light people and then prayed for these red light people, that same Paul was there that day that they killed Stephen, giving approval. He was as red light as they come. God opened a door in his heart and he could do it with anybody in your family. And maybe he wants to use you to walk right through that door. Every single one of us has a light on that traffic light. Maybe you're in this room today and you've never really given your life to Jesus. And you walked in here with the green light. You you came looking for him. And maybe today is going to be the day that you give your life to him. Maybe some of you are yellow light people. Maybe something occurred in your life, a breakup, a setback, a health problem. You thought, you know, I'm going to go to church today. That door has opened a little bit. Maybe you're moving slow, but you're sensing that this is the moment God wants me to respond. Maybe you're a red light person. Maybe you got dragged to church today by your spouse or your mom. And if you want to eat today, you had to come to church. (laughs) But maybe in that moment, maybe right now, you're just sensing God's opening a door in your heart. And just like he said to Nicodemus, hey, step out of the shadows. Step out of the darkness. Jesus is the one who will bring light to your heart. And so if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to help you do that right now. In just a moment, I can lead, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer that you could repeat after me in the silence of your heart. These are just words, unless you really believe them by faith. But some of you sense right now, I need to do this. And so I want to help you. So I want to ask everybody to close your eyes. And if you want to invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life, then I want you to repeat these words after me in the silence of your own heart. Jesus, I give you my life. Just say those simple words. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. I know I can't save myself. I've sinned against you. But Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you can forgive me of my sins. And so I ask that you make me clean. Change my heart so I could leave my old ways behind and live with you at the center of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to help you understand what that means, and here's a really simple way to do that. On the program you received when you came in, there's a little box at the bottom that says, I said yes, I prayed to receive Christ. Just fill out this card. It tears off easily, and in just a moment when our ushers come through the aisles to take the offering for today, just drop that right in there, and one of our staff people will give you a call, follow up, and help you understand 
this exciting new chapter of your life. Things have changed now. We want to help you with that. Maybe you've already prayed to receive Jesus, but you're just not going anywhere. You're just stuck in neutral. We want to help you take that next step. Here's a simple way how. Grab your phone and text the word NEXT to 909-281-7797. One of our staff members will get a hold of that number, exchange a few messages with you to customize what that next step may look like. Maybe you want to get involved in a small group or, or serving at the church. Maybe you just want somebody to talk to or you need assistance of some kind. Text NEXT to 909-281-7797. Or we have a next step table in our lobby and you can have a face-to-face conversation with somebody today. Next week, we continue in this family series by talking about Christ being at the center of our change. Every family is changing in some way, and some of those seasons can be very hard. Do you know somebody who's going through change right now that could use some encouragement from God's Word? You ought to invite them to come to church with you next week. Until then, let's make sure that Christ is at the center of my life, and then let's share our faith with others so Christ can be the center of their life. You have opportunities in your family that are all around. And what if God wants to use you to put Christ at the center of the conversation? He just may. So pray that God will open a door. Amen? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for being a God who has made yourself known and accessible to us. You're not hidden. Lord, you are out there in the open and you sent your son Jesus to save us. And so, Lord, I pray that there would not be a single person in this room who would walk out of here without that assurance that that you are the Lord of their life, that you have set them apart, that you have revered Christ as as their Lord. Lord, and so I, I pray nobody walks out of here without that assurance. And Father, I pray for those who have family members who don't know you. God, I pray that you would use us to be bold and to speak Jesus into the conversation. And Lord, I pray that you would change families through us. Father, as we prepare to take tithes and offerings, I pray that you would Take these financial gifts and use them to further your ministry in our church, in our community, around the world. May we give with joyful hearts and trusting you with our finances as an act of worship. Jesus, we need you, we love you, and we commit all of this in your holy name. And if you believe it, then let the church say, amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word NEXT to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless. God bless.